You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning back into Shy Sox Weekly, presented to you by White Sox Nation and Wagon Enterprises. I am John Suarez, joined by my co-host today, Tony Marchese. How you doing, man? Hey, John. I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Uh, we got a great show planned for our listeners today. But before we get to that, uh, Tony and I want to go ahead and thank the guys from Section 108 for coming on last week and providing us with such a great show. We've got nothing but positive feedback ever since they came on. Hell yeah, I've actually gone out to a few games and, and seen them a few times uh, since we recorded. Always a great time when you're hanging out with those guys. Beef Loaf, My Sock Summer, and of course, Cherizi. Awesome having them on last week. That was f- quite a fun episode. Have you fully recovered from that yet? <laughs> yeah, obviously I fully recovered because we took a week off. Um, the reason we took a week off, everybody, is because we locked in a very big guest. We have a huge one for you tonight. Uh, tonight we have White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports on. Um, we're really excited about this. I don't know about you, Tony. Yeah, I am very excited to pick his brain and talk some White Sox baseball with White Sox Dave. Yeah, we got a couple of different topics we want to talk about. Obviously, we got Jace Fry, who's been killing it over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we got Wellington Castillo, Tony. <laughs> oh, what an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get deep into that. Um, there's a couple side things that have happened since we talked. Carson Fulmer has been sent down. Thank you know what? the Lord. You know what? <laughs> Let's just get right into Carson Fulmer. You know, another reason we took a little bit of extra time off, I went to the game on Friday night. I was sitting right behind home plate, and I lost my voice screaming at how bad Carson Fulmer was. It was terrible. That first inning was the most miserable thing I've ever seen anybody go through watching him pitch on the mound. It was terrible. He could not find the strike zone at all. The, the first strike that he threw... The crowd was almost as loud as if the Sox had hit a home run. It was quite pathetic. Carson Fulmer, good riddance, back to Charlotte, figure it out, come back. And the thing that I don't understand what they're doing here is they're still, they're still using him as a starter? What is that about? This guy's a reliever at best at, at this yeah, point in so time. Fulmer is actually slotted to start. I don't think it's tomorrow. I think it's the day after. I think he starts on Saturday. But, yeah. Oh, another thing. Carlos Rodon made a start today for the Charlotte Knights, and he had a really strong start, but he got hit with the comeback line drive, so he was removed from that game as a safety precaution, but they don't really think anything of it. And the White Sox went out and signed a like semi-big name, not really, but they signed uh, Michael Saunders to a minor league deal. So, I mean, with the outfield um, depth that we have right now, I'd don't see any reason why he shouldn't be in Chicago within the next couple of weeks. You know, didn't they also sign Alex Presley to a They did a also. Deal? Yeah, yeah, they signed Presley as well. So a couple of ex-major leaguers, I guess you would say, but uh, typical White Sox signings that, that <laughs> uh, were made right there. But it's outfield depth. And I think, you know, it's, it's easy also to say, hey, why didn't we bring up Eloy? But, I mean, <laughs> we should know the name of this game by now. All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and welcome on White Sox Dave, Dave Williams from Barstool Sports. You might know him for a few different things. He uh, he broke the James Shields trade, and uh, he also is the host of Redline Radio. So thanks for coming on, Dave. How you doing tonight? Doing great, fellas. Thanks for having me. So, Dave, you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit? Does this man yeah. really need an introduction? Not really, but... <laughs> I, I've been taught by... A few guys at the score that have came on Redline Radio that, regardless of who or what they do, you always, not only once but like throughout the show, to remind the listener who you're who you're talking to. So, pro tip from a guy who got a pro tip. Um, name's Dave Williams. Been doing uh, White Sox stuff on Barstool for six years. This July, 
Last year, we started Redline Radio. It's uh, actually doing really well. It's finally starting to turn green for us. Uh, we had a business loan, paid it off finally. And, yeah, it's it's gotten a lot bigger once the White Sox and Cubs are going um, strong at the same time, which should be about another year or so. We hope it takes off into something that can, you know, entertain the whole city of Chicago, every baseball fan, you know, from north side to south side. And other than that, just, you know, diehard fan. I like to kind of represent the fan base and, and personify it a little bit, if that's the right word. And, you know, White Sox fans are a loyal bunch, and I – would do anything to, you know, help be kind of a medium between the White Sox and the fans. So that's kind of what I try to do personally. All right. We got a couple things we want to get into then. So um, let's start with um, what your take on Rick Renteria benching his players for not hustling is. I'm not sure if you guys really talk too much about it on Redline. I haven't. We haven't talked about that at all yet. I haven't seen it live when it's happened either time. I don't even think I saw the replays. Who? So Castillo got benched. Um, yeah. Who was the part of that? The one before that was like uh, – it was no, yeah. Mankato was one time. It's been a few times. <laughs> I think um, was it Nikki Delmonica? Might have been, but I, I don't mind it for the Castillo thing. I have a feeling that there is something a little more behind that because one thing Castillo is not beating out an infield single, you know. So no, he's not. He's not beating out any infield singles. I think he might have found out about the PD stuff like m- the middle of that game. What was that? Two or three days ago? Yes, and, it was. Yeah, actually, like, that was yeah, that was two days ago. So it was the day before that news broke, right? So I think that might have something to do with it. But they're just kind of saying, "Oh no, he wasn't hustling." Because one thing can see, like I said, what unless he's walking to first base, he probably is hustling because obviously he's a catcher. He's not. He can't run at all. But he did. Um, yeah, he did also bench Avi Garcia in a spring training game too. Not that that really oh, yeah, matters. That's true. But- that's true. I, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's that's a precedent. You have to bust your bust your balls to you know be on on the field on, under my regime. I don't mind it at all. I mean, there's you can always, no matter how good or bad you're playing, you can always control how hard you hustle. So, if you're not hustling, take a seat. I don't mind that whatsoever. So, Dave, you played uh, you played a little college ball. Did you uh, were you ever benched, or do you know anybody who was ever benched for not hustling? In college, I kind of got by. I was a very average hitter, but I could throw, and I was like, I played with like my hair was on fire. I I kind of took pride in being the guy that everybody hated playing against because I would, you know, take extra bases on on flares down the right field line and stuff like that. So I never got benched for that kind of stuff because I didn't have the physical gifts to really. You know, to be able to coast, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure along the way there are people who you know weren't hustling and take a seat. And like I said, I don't mind that at all from manager at any level of baseball. All right, Tony, you got a question you want to ask, Dave? Dave, I've uh, I was actually at the Carson, the last Carson Fulmer start. I know you touched on this. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> I actually kind of lost my voice a little bit. I, I touched on this a little bit earlier in the podcast. But Dave, what what does Carson Fulmer need to do? I, I'm a big guy that's a proponent of him going into a reliever role and try and salvage him. Maybe if if you can trade him. But I, I think this pick is a bust at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, you never draft someone eighth overall to be a reliever. No, I'm you like, wouldn't. You like, wouldn't. Someone who is Andrew Miller, and you're going to insert him into the pen right away. I mean, even then, how has that ever even happened? Um, it's a lost year, obviously. There was never any plans to contend this year, and there still isn't. So I don't mind them trying to like hold on to the glimmer of hope that he can be a starter and down in Charlotte or if he does well in Charlotte back in Chicago. But this is it. He's got – the season's a quarter of the way through. He's got, what, 15 more starts or 18 more starts, if that, to prove that he can be a starter. I don't think he will be. I think, like, I, I was saying this the other day. If you watch him throw and you watch Ronaldo Lopez throw, they're 
they're pretty much the same stature. They're both short, big legs. You know, they're not prototypical 6'4", 220 guys like you see a lot of pitchers these days. But Reynaldo Lopez, he doesn't really have to try to throw 97. He can kind of just do it regardless. Carson Fulmer throws 93, 94, will touch 95 here and there. And he is trying to throw that hard. Like one person's throwing 80%, one person's throwing 110%. When you're throwing that hard, there's so many moving parts when you're pitching that it's going to be impossible, not impossible, but extremely, extremely, extremely difficult to control that fastball. And that's why he's been wild. And when he has thrown strikes, he's gotten shelled because he's missing in the zone instead of on a corner. So I think he, he's got to just, you know, be a one inning, two inning a guy night or two inning a night guy. And just, you know, hope, hope you can salvage a middle relief arm out of him at this point. So, yeah, I agree. I, I'm not happy with how that pick turned out as much as I loved it at the time. So, how much of this is on Don Cooper? I mean, you see Lucas Giolito struggling early this year. You see the struggles that Carson Fulmer had this year. Now, obviously, James Shields and Ronaldo Lopez have, have fared fairly well, but how much of this do you put on Don Cooper for the struggles that Giolito and, and Fulmer have had so far this season? I put, z- like, zero. I I mean, Carson Fulmer is not good or bad because of Don Cooper. He He just stinks. I mean, what? There's nothing any pitching coach in baseball can do to salvage what has, and then a lot of this between both of those names, Giolito and Fulmer, they're they're in their own heads right now. They're swimming laps in their own brains right now, and it's all between the ears. Like it's all mental. Pitching coach obviously is supposed to kind of act like you know a psychiatrist in in some ways, where you like get them thinking, hey. You had a rough start. This is what you can do, and you get them to bounce back. But, I mean, these guys, they're, they're kind of just mentally weak. And uh, Giolito especially. Giolito, I have, I have no no faith that he's ever going to turn into a good pitcher because he's so emotional on the mound. Like, you watch someone like – doesn't matter who it is, like what kind of stuff they have, but someone like a Corey Kluber or a Kyle Hendricks or – um, Paxton up in Seattle is a pitcher I really like right now. Who obviously he just threw a no hitter. He's starting to become more of a household name. But those guys are just complete robots on the mound, and you can see what kind of laser focus they have. Chris Sale is one of those guys too. Chris Sale. There's another example, and like I said, it doesn't have to do with stuff. It has everything to do with their mental, like their mental stamina and their and their makeup. And the Carson Fulmer, I think, is salvageable for that reason because he is a bulldog. Giolito just. I have no – you don't just flip a switch and go from being kind of a – just like a, a, a sissy like Giolito is to someone who's a tough bulldog. I think it just kind of is who he is, you know. So those I, – I mean, I love Carson Fulmer because he, he – like I said, he is a bulldog. But Giolito, I just I'm, – I'm done. I, he'll never be good. I'm convinced of that. So put yourself in Rick Hahn's shoes here for a second. What do you do with Lucas Giolito? I mean, like, man, I don't even know. See, the thing is, the thing is with Giolito is they got so much else in that deal that I don't think Rick Hahn's really going to beat himself up if Giolito doesn't work out. Giolito started off as the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball a couple years ago. His fastball velocity is down again this year. Um, How are you supposed to predict that? Like, there's another example, like, another reason why I don't think he's very good. Like, you know those like awkward kids in high school that all of a sudden they went from being five five to six three in, like a matter of a few months. Yeah, you used to torch them in little league, and then they took your spot on the high school team. Exactly. Those. <laughs> I think Giolito might be kind of one of those guys because he just seems like he's super super uncoordinated. Like he grew too fast, his body didn't know how to handle the height. When I watch him pitch, like there is no repeatability in his motion whatsoever. He's flailing all over the place. His balance stinks. Like, his arm is almost too loose to, like, you know, there's no strength to it. Um, so, like, that part, that stuff is fixable, but the mental makeup really isn't, I don't think. So, I don't know. He was throwing 97 when he was drafted, had Tommy John. Now he's throwing 90-92, which is not something – it's not hard at all. 
for especially if you're 6'6", 250. So I, I don't know. I think those two are lost causes. I wouldn't be surprised if they went pitcher not to make up for that, these two players, but um, to kind of keep adding to the depth they've built, assuming that these guys will probably fizzle out sooner than later. Yeah, so that was another thing that we kind of wanted to ask you. It was actually someone on the, I don't remember exactly who it was, but someone on Twitter had asked who you think that the Sox are going to go with in the draft. I know the draft is a couple weeks away now here. It's probably like two or three weeks away, I think. Yeah, I think June 4th, I want to say. So, yeah, like two, two weeks. Yeah, damn, that's coming up. Um, I saw a couple players play when I was out in Arizona. I saw Nolan Gorman, a big lefty high school kid. Um. He will he'll probably be mid first round at best, but um, he can swing it. I just didn't think he had any position. Then I saw a pitcher, Matt Libertor, who I would I thought he was just awesome, like Clayton Kershaw, good, yeah. uh, like six five lefty can put the ball wherever he wants it. Three good pitch mix, a good three pitch mix. Um, but apparently the Sox are kind of cooling on him from what Brian Billick was saying on Twitter the other day. So this is a wide-open draft. Everyone's saying there's not a lot of parity between the first or the supposed 10 best players in the draft. So you you could see one person who is projected to go first overall. You could see him go eighth overall, and it wouldn't be like that shocking because there's not a lot of separation at this point. Um, But I guess if Mize fell to them, they'd probably go with him because he's so polished already. He could – walk in and be a starting pitcher for the White Sox as we speak because he pounds the strike zone at 95 with three different pitches. I want to say he's predicted to go first in like yeah, every mock draft I've looked at. Every mock draft is saying he's going to go first overall, which so. Should have been our freaking pick. I know. Started doing good at the end of the year. I mean, the Sox very well could have the first pick next year, so there will be another guy that pops up just like that, I'm sure. But I don't know. I guess I don't like Singer's arm action. It really scares me personally. Um, I, I could see definite injury risk with him. And then Madrigal, there's no power potential with him. And I, like, I would love I would love Bohm. Or uh, a sleeper pick is Jonathan India, also out of Florida, who I wouldn't be surprised to see the Sox go, go with. Um, so... I don't know. It's going to be a college guy, I'm pretty sure. Like 95% sure it's going to be a college guy. They always go college guys, so that was that was already something that I kind of figured. Um, a big uh, prospect that was talked about a lot last year that no one really talks about anymore was uh, Seth Beer. Have you heard anything about him lately? I mean, he's positionless. He's not a great athlete. So Obviously, they won't take him at number four, but do you think he'll fall enough later in the draft for them to get him in a later round maybe? Yeah, maybe. I mean, if he if they go with someone like, uh, say, Jared Kalenic out of Waukesha, he's a he's a Chicago land ish guy, um, high school player. If they go with someone like him, send him under slot. Tell someone like Seth Beer, who he's on base machines, got good power. Hey, we'll take you in the second round for you know more than what we're supposed to take you for. They could do something like that, but like. N- Teams don't like the positionless guys anymore, you know. Yeah, I he can hit. I don't. I haven't looked up his numbers this year, but last year I think he only hit like two eighty or something. So he hasn't been as good as as he was his freshman year. Yeah, but, he just tore the SEC up his freshman year. Yeah, tore it up, and I think he's kind of tallied or tailed off a little bit. So, no, like no second, third round, more likely from what what it sounds like. Something to look out for. Yeah, so you pretty much just answered two of the questions that came in on Twitter, which were, is Nick Madrigal the best position player in the upcoming draft, and who do you want in the draft? Actually, I don't think you answered who do you want. Dave, if you could pick one person on that list, who would if you're, if you're going to put yourself in Rick Hahn's shoes, who are you taking? You're a good friend, Rick Hahn. Yeah, you're good I friend, Rick would Hunt. probably, I, I mean, all I've done is like watch YouTube videos and all that. I, I read all the same Sky reports that you guys do. If you put a gun to my head, I would take I would take Libertor. Okay. I saw him live and I thought he was the best high school pitcher I've ever seen. 
But apparently, like I said, they're cooling on them. So I have no idea. Like, they've obviously seen them much more than I have. I saw them pitch one start against high school kids, which, you know, it's not hard for someone like that to dominate no matter who you're playing, if it's just regular high school ball. So I – if – Libertor and then I think – I don't totally care about home runs. And I think size is kind of irrelevant when it comes to hitting home runs. But if Magical was there at four, I wouldn't mind that pick at all. Uh, I mean, really polished bat. He would fly through the system. And if you tweak, I mean, look at Dustin Pedroia. Dustin Pedroia is like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, he hits bombs. Same with um, Jose Altuve. He's, I mean, he's strong as hell, but he, he can hit home runs. Um, if you can tweak someone's swing to just, you know, get air underneath the ball, you can teach someone to hit home runs, especially if you hit the ball as well as someone like a Magical does. I'm going to take this back to the Twitter, Dave. There was one that came in from at Dunt1, hashtag taste yourself. He wants to know, is Moncada broken? And I'm going to go somewhere after your answer here. No, he was never broken. I know he kind of looked bad today. I was watching it work a little bit, but... I've said it a million different times. It's easier to teach someone to swing the bat when they're not swinging it than to teach them not to swing it when they're swinging it. Like Anderson, for instance. It's way harder to teach someone to lay off – or, to, yeah, harder to teach someone to lay off pitches outside the zone than swing at pitches in the zone. So I was never, ever worried about Makata. I was annoyed that he wasn't hitting, but now he, he looks great and looks like a cornerstone, someone who could be MVP-level talent. And, yeah – like just people need to listen to me more. Like <laughs> Mikado was always looking good, even when he was struggling. So you've always kind of um, been, you've always kind of gotten a little bit of shit for that. I about know, ex- people I, saying, I like, know exactly yeah. where you're going with this, John. I know. <laughs> yeah. So um, Tony one day was, it was op- a little it was, inebriated. It was opening day. It was opening, opening day. day. And uh, he tweeted at you, or actually, it was Chuck Garfine's tweet, and he like tweeted at you and said, "At Barso White Sox, Dave, uh, should, are we worried about Mankato?" And we pissed Chuck Garfine off. Let me tell you, <laughs> Chuck Garfine like quoted our tweet and just like I don't even remember the exact response, but he was pissed. Um, the best part about this was, Dave, a few weeks ago, you actually saved that tweet and you put everybody on blast. Yeah, that was like a few we, few days ago, and uh, we were we <laughs> yeah. were quite on we were quite honored that we made the the White Sox Dave on blast list. But the the tweet, and I wanted to kind of come out and let you know it was a completely sarcastic tweet, just because we knew you were getting pissed off with everybody being worried okay. about Moncada. I like that. I'm all for internet trolling. I pride yeah, myself guys. on my trolling abilities. Well, it was just, it was it was great that you retrolled us back with that because as soon as i saw that pop up on twitter i'm like oh shit (laughs) it was funny because it was like right around when we were locking you in for the podcast and you like it it came up on my phone like white Sox dave retweeted so and so and i was like oh shit he hasn't even emailed me back (laughs) i honestly don't check that email too frequently to be honest you're good i'm sure you get blown up left and right it's usually people asking me for like internships and stuff i'm like what do you honestly do you think your school is gonna let me <laughs> like tell them that you were a good employee and like give you class credit for our little podcast? Like no, <laughs> with us. So wait, on the last red line though, Carl did say that he's getting you an intern. Are are you excited for this? I mean, yeah, like ten people emailed me, like, hey, I'll I'll do be an intern. I'm like, okay, like do you wanna be my personal Uber driver? Strap <laughs> me around and get drunk all the time. Yeah, if you want to do that on weekends, so I can save ten bucks a trip to and from my apartment, then by all means. Like, I don't know where that came from though. He just like said that out of nowhere. Me and Tony do that to each other sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just talk to talk, I guess. Well, I I, I also hear for all the in, the potential interns out there, not only just people who want to be White Sox Dave's intern. Uh, on Twitter, it came out the other day that uh, from the 108 is also looking for an intern this summer to fetch beers. Uh, so if if you guys are looking to be an intern this summer, listeners, uh, 
at from the 108 on Twitter. They're also looking for an intern as well. You can submit your resumes directly to them. There you go. I'm sure they are have like secretaries and everything filing paperwork for them for that stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure they do at this point in time. No, those guys are literally the best. They're hilarious. One of my we, favorite Twitter follows. John John had a lot of fun with them last week, didn't you, John? Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> every time I go there, every time I go there, I leave uh, with a very spotty memory. Oh yeah, for sure. They just like to drink and watch White Sox baseball. They all live in Bridgeport too. Yeah, I brought a bunch of Twinkies because they started that whole like eat Twinkies for Mankata thing. So I brought them like I snuck like three boxes of Twinkies in with my buddies. There you go. So, Dave, you were actually crowned champion of a, a little Twitter tournament that we kind of discussed on our last podcast last week with the guys from the 108. Uh, I believe the word was you curb stomped Chuck Garfine in that <laughs> tournament. Uh, how did it feel? To, how did it feel to be crowned champion, a White Sox Twitter personality? I I don't know. I I'm lucky to have a, obviously a major major media background like backing me, I should say, with Barstool. And everybody who follows Barstool knows that the brand loyalty from the consumers is just through the roof. And I, don't, I like I said, I'm just a, I'm a White Sox fan. I'm not a reporter. I know Chuck Garfine. He's a he's a White Sox fan as well, but he's not going to go to the parking lot and get hammered with the rest of the fans. You know, that's so I think they kind of White Sox fans in general have a draw to me because of that. Because I'm just one of them, but I'm lucky enough to have Barstool in my Twitter handle. So, um, it was, I mean, it was cool. It was fun. Those guys from the 108 are absolutely hilarious. They're all big-ass slobs, just perfect, perfect White Sox fans. Um, I've met them a few times now, and they're just absolutely hilarious, every last one of them. So those, those guys are the real kings of White Sox Twitter, I think. I think they'd rather. I think they'd rather go by the drunk uncles of White Sox Twitter. I think yeah, that's what they've exactly. crowned themselves as. But that's yeah, exactly what they are. Because they're they're all a little older. They're all like mid thirties and up, like mid forties. You know, wife and kids. Not that you know, a twenty nine year old can't have all that stuff. But yeah, they're the, that's exactly what they are. They're the drunk uncles of White Sox Twitter. Um, so we're going to kind of stray away from the uh, baseball path here. So as we had announced earlier that you uh, you do Redline Radio and your host is uh, Barstool Carl. So we kind of want to get a little bit of background of uh, kind of how you and Carl met each other. Uh, we met through Barstool. He was friends with Dante Diana, who's the DJ who did the Blackout Tour. I don't even know if you guys remember that or if you were reading Barstool, but that was years ago. And uh, it was just like a concert, like a kind of like a not a rave or anything like that, but like Dante would go to different schools and the tickets would sell out like at the snap of a finger. And uh, Dante's friends with Carl's older brother, who Carl met Dante through, who introduced Carl to Big Cat. And that's kind of the web of how Carl and I met. So we didn't know each other until four or five years ago. So did you guys just hit it off because, you know, Sox Cubs thing and, and immediately jump into this or was there some, was there yeah, a baking, I mean, was there a baking period before you guys came up with the concept we were, of Redline Radio? We were, I mean, it obviously, it's not like I would call him to hang out on weekends or anything like that when we first met, but obviously our friendship grew throughout the years to where we see each other like all the time now. And me, him and Chief, we're a pretty tight knit group. So whose whose idea was it for Redline? Was it you or was it uh, was it Carl's? I wanted to do. I had a vi- like a vision kind of where we would do a traveling podcast through like to different bars every weekend, like a live show. And I pitched that idea like four years ago to Chief, and it just never it never worked out for whatever reason. And um. Like I want, I wanted because I like, for instance, like the score will go to the auto show or whatever it is right. or whatever else that, and I wanted to do that, but like put the barstool spin on it. Never worked out, just probably because we're lazy, ninety nine percent of the reason. But <laughs> just one, it was last January, uh, so two Januarys ago. Um, 
Carl texted me one random night. I was just like sitting on the couch watching TV or whatever. And he's like, let's do a podcast. I'm like, I'm in. And yeah, it's got, it's gotten big. Like I said, we're starting to finally make some money on it, which is nice. A little side gig. And we are starting to do a lot more live shows. We just did one at Declan's. There's 150 people that came out. Um, we're doing one at Joe's on Weed Street in September for the next Cub Sox series. They want 1,200 people there. So you guys should come. And I'm going to use this time to pitch it. All the details are being ironed out right now. But, um, yeah, so we're going to start doing stuff like that and do live events. Yeah, me and Tony have kind of had a little bit of an idea. We kind of want to do, like, a, a podcast from the tailgate lot, probably, like, lot B, the one that with the yeah. old Comiskey plates on. And we want to get, like, some, like, guest names and stuff. We don't have anything ironed out, obviously, but some at some point this summer – we would like to do that. Yeah, I'm, that's the way to do it. It's a way way to connect to people who listen. So if they can like see you in face and introduce themselves, you know, it, it gives them all the more reason to listen because they feel connected on that level. So that's like that's why we do that kind of stuff. Absolutely, it's it's awesome just to interact with other baseball fans. Yeah, exactly for sure. I mean, for that's sure. that's I, that's pretty much why we're all in this. So Dave, now. Anybody who listens to Redline knows that you're a big steroid guy, and there's a big elephant in the room here as well, and that's Wellington Castillo. How do you feel about Wellington Castillo, all the news that's come out now? Now, they say it's not a steroid. It was a PED. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't looked into what exactly I was taking. I looked into it. It's like it uh, adds to your red blood cell count, so I don't even know. I, I, I don't even, yeah. cells, those take in oxygen, right? So I I, I, that's if I were to guess. So red blood cells, when when you breathe, that's they take in the oxygen into your bloodstream. So when you're out of breath, like you run out of red blood cells, I'm pretty sure. But if you're adding red blood cells, you can like work out harder and longer. Okay. We're getting, real, we're getting real deep into science. Yeah, you just became a doctor guy on us really I, quick. I think I just got my my doctor. Right <laughs> you just WebMD'd all of our listeners right there. I, I could be completely wrong, but if I were to guess, that's what it was. Um, so if we want to get more red blood cells, we'll go. We'll talk to Wellington Castillo, and he'll hook us up. Yes, exactly. And you can lift double the amount, double the time frame that you normally would. It was like one of those things where I was like looking up all the symptoms and everything of it. And it was like, it sounded like a diet pill. Like I was like, shit, that sounds like something I should take every day. <laughs> well, I mean, Wellington Castillo, I mean, he's, he's a short stocky, you know, he's a catcher. He's, he's well built. He's uh, yeah. He's, he's beef. I mean, he didn't get that name out of nowhere. Just obviously, you know, Wellington, but right. he, he, he looks the part. It, when they said it was a PED, I immediately thought steroids. I mean, he's he's bulky, but uh, I'm not I'm not for suspending people for taking steroids. I'm not for suspending people for taking PEDs. I don't know why they don't just let these guys play, take this whatever they I'm, want. I see both sides of it. I mean, baseball like it or not, will make a lot of money off players taking steroids. So I'm sure, but at the same time, they can't just, you know, legalize it because steroids are illegal at the same time. I mean, I know there's PEDs that are in diet pills, like you said, and stuff like that you can get over the counter. But I I, I don't – if I am Rick Hine, I'm looking to get out of that contract, like, right now because he's oh, got yeah. another yeah. year player option or whatever it is. But – um I don't know. Don't get caught. I guess. Like, don't. <laughs> I so. I I don't know. I don't really care. If it was a competing year, I'd want to like drive down to the cell and take a bat to his face. But I was I was there last night, and people started DMing me that first tweet from the one like Latin American reporter. Yeah. Did you read that article? No, I didn't. I didn't read that article. But people are DMing. I, I figured it was just some you know some bullshit random guy in the dominican or whatever so i kind of ignored it the article even supported that like it didn't even seem like it was a pretty yeah it was a sketchy article well then didn't was it keith law or ken rosenthal who came right out like right it was john Heyman. it was john Heyman. i thought 
I saw Rosenthal's tweet, and he was still playing when it came out. It's like Juan Tico, and he was like getting at bats as all this news is breaking. So it was it was kind of an eerie feeling. It was actually a pretty decent car last night because it was a perfect night for baseball. But um, it was kind of eerie being there watching him play, knowing that he just got popped. So um, I don't know. That's what that's what he gets. That's what he deserves, I what guess. Was, what was the fan? <laughs> what was the fan reception inside the stadium? Everybody, because I mean, everybody's looking at their cell phone. They know what's going on. There's, there's this, you know, feeling of you know something's coming out tomorrow morning. How, right. how did people receive that at those at bats? Was there like, any extra, you know, everything? Just like, what is he still doing playing right now? Like, why isn't he out of the game? So I don't. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure Renneria and the team. They're not looking at Twitter and everything in the middle of the game. So I'm sure it took a second for them to get the news, but it was, it was just, I thought it was funny, but it was kind of eerie at the same time. Even the broadcast, like didn't mention it. I don't even think they mentioned it at all throughout the whole broadcast. Even by the end of the game, they didn't say a word. Yeah. I bet they were told not to probably. So, I mean, that's actually cool that you get that though, because that's probably Wellington Castillo's last at bat in a Sox uniform. So you could always tell people that you got to see his last at, I got to see Mark Burley's last pitch in a Sox uniform. So I'll always hold that. That's a little bit more special though. Yeah. I got to see Carson Fulmer's last start as a White Sox. Um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, Dave, I want to take this in a little bit different direction. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about red line here, but how, how hard is it for you? to go and listen to a half hour, maybe more of Cubs talk every week. I know you're a big Cubs hater, and I just want to know what that's like for you. I don't mind it because, I mean, Carl knows more about baseball than, like, anybody on earth. So I do – I like to learn about the game, and I do learn when I listen to him talk. So in that realm, but at the same time, he's a meathead Cubs fan, and he's kind of – he has a lot of like over too much faith, I guess. Not, I mean, he should because Theo's done it four times now, if I'm correct. Three with the Red Sox, once with the Cubs, three straight NLCSs. I don't think this Cubs team is that good. Um, I think that their pitching is very thin and there's not any star power in it anymore. And he's like convinced that they're always going to be just. They're just going to cruise through the National League pennant for the next, you know, 10 years or whatever it is. So, I mean, that, I mean, you can have fun with that, but at the same time, the White Sox are where the Cubs were four or five years ago. So he like, and Carl's a South side guy. So most like everybody he grew up with, they're all Sox fans. So he's not the stereotypical Cubs fan. Um, so he like, he kind of guides me and like, yo, the Sox are going to be good. You just got to be patient, like even off air and everything. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mind hate talk. I don't hate talking about the Cubs, especially if they do something stupid, like get swept by the Indians or lose three or four to the Marlins to start the year or whatever it was. You can always just, you know, be like, hey, the Cubs aren't that good. They're not as good as you think you are. They are. Yeah, I want to say Tyler Chatwood is like leading the MLB in walks right now. Oh, away. Yeah. He's yeah. averaging like a million almost. Probably got that from Redline Radio, to be honest. Now that I'm like thinking of it in my head, they're sitting yeah. in they're sitting in fourth place as well right now. I mean, they're I mean, granted they're only three and a half games back, but that division is much different than the AL Central. Granted, but they're sitting in fourth place. They're they're not really a juggernaut at all. No, no, they're not at all. They Bryant's obviously a superstar. He's one of the best players in baseball. Rizzo's rebounded Baez is I love Baez I mean their their lineup top to bottom is good but their pitching just doesn't do anything for me I feel like you have to have that Max Scherzer Corey Kluber or you know Chris Sale to win in a, a playoff series or what the Astros have right now which is like unhittable top to bottom rotation so they're I don't I, I don't see them coming if they do come out of the National League I don't there's not a doubt in my mind that they lose in the World Series, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. But I don't know; they don't they don't scare me like their 2016 team did. So a- you bring up you bring up the Astros, and this this 
is one of the points that I wanted to get to with you is what teams are we going to need to be worried about when we're finally starting to compete? Obviously, we have the Yankees. They're building something. The Astros yeah. are there. Is this White Sox team going to be able to compete with those guys, or are we going to end up just AL Central division champs for four years in a row? And the Nationals what, what of the AL. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think that the Sox need to do to avoid something like that from happening? They need to spend a lot of money. They need to get the superstar. They need to get someone in the mold of a Manny Machado. I'm not saying it has to be Machado, but you need that superstar, and they'll probably have to buy an arm too. Uh, I would love to see them get Sale back when his contract's up. I would be incredibly shocked if that happened, obviously. But like the Cubs did with Lester, uh, sign, sign a player pitching them on the rebuild and say, hey, you're going to have to tough out one bad year at the team, but we're going to be really, really good for the next seven or eight over the life of your contract. So, I mean, Han said it himself a few different times, and I've reiterated this for him on his behalf that he knows the last part of this piece is spending money, and they're going to have a ton of play payroll flexibility in the coming years. So, I mean, I don't see why someone for a $300 million deal or even more is out of the question because Han knows that that is going to be what it has to, that's going to be what it takes to get to the level of the Astros or the Yankees or the Red Sox. So, but like you said, once you get to the playoffs, because I mean, the Indians windows closing, the Royals are there's They stink and they don't have any really good pieces to expedite a rebuild like the Sox did in sale and eat in Quintana. Um, the Tigers, they're stink. shit. They're shit. They're tiger sneak and the twins. Like they don't. They don't scare me. They're the twins, you know. So, um, once you get to the playoffs, it's anybody's game. But the White Sox put enough time to time to rebuild more perfectly. So, I'd say next year is the year that they actually expect to compete for the first time. So you think you think next year. That's going to involve spending money this off season, right? There's a lot of money to be spent. There's, I mean, three marquee free agents. You can always trade for someone. Uh, AJ Pollock's available, but he's never really healthy, um, yeah. or will be available. There's a it's, Han's going to have to start getting creative because honestly, anybody could trade Chris Sale and get a great package like he did. Same with Quintana. Same with Eaton. But now he's going to have to start getting creative with contracts like, and use contracts as a way to entice free agents to come to Chicago and then start trading from the depth from the minor leagues. Like there's, obviously, there's a lot of really good pitching in the Sox minor league system right now. Not all of them are going to be able to be in Chicago at the same time. So I think we'll start seeing trades, signings, all that good stuff. All the, this is the worst of it. We're seeing the worst of the rebuild right now. Losing ten nothing games or whatever it was today to the Baltimore Orioles, who are also garbage. Yeah, you're gonna have those games over a hundred and sixty-two game stretch. Thank God it was uh that wasn't the game you went to yesterday. You probably right. would have left by like the sixth inning. <laughs> yeah, but look at the look at that lineup that they put out today. I mean, yeah, that was abysmal. Pathetic. Like half those guys don't like Abreu, Mikata, Sanchez. And that's pretty much it. I, I, okay, I'll even say Anderson, but everybody else is just garbage top to bottom. So, how do you feel about Anderson? That you bring up a, you bring up an interesting name here. So he started off the year. He was kind of the the voice. The he was playing with a lot of fire. We touched on it on our podcast quite a bit. I was a big fan, and it just seems like he has completely fallen off the radar. I mean, I think he'll turn it around. He's making a lot more contact this year. Uh, his defense has improved from the beginning of the year, I, I think. Um, I think he'll turn it around. I'm not really that worried about him. He's He looks better, I think. So um, I, he's not ever going to be a superstar or anything like that. But just I would love to see a lot of extra base hits, you know, the 20 home runs, the stolen bases, just be a bottom-of-the-order bat and – but at the same time, he's replaceable. Like I wouldn't hate to see him go. I wouldn't that's hate what, to see. Him that's what I was going to bring up. Is he a, is he a guy that can be moved during this process 
for somebody who maybe package them up with somebody and you get a, a core piece for this team? Um, maybe. I mean, it depends on what other teams view him as. I mean, I don't think he's got a ton of value right now. A lot of his value lies in him being cheap and controllable for a long time. Yeah, his contract is pretty good. Right, exactly. Starting short, starting shortstops don't make, you know, that whatever he's making. I know it's something. It's like seven years, twenty something million. It was like a, it was like a uh, Quintana contract or Chris Sale contract. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe. Well, I. I mean, there's not anybody on that roster right now other than Mikata who is untouchable in any in any realm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he stays with those. So are you, I guess with that statement, you're saying that Abreu is probably going to get shopped at some point during this season. What do you think the likelihood of him moving, uh, moving teams is at the deadline? Likely. I don't think it's very likely, but, I mean, if someone overpays for him, then – Han would have zero problem trading him. I mean, I heard the Rockies have sniffed around a lot on him. I heard that like two months ago, and then Heyman tweeted it a couple of days ago. I just I wonder like, what you get back. I mean, do you think that the Rockies would part with a like a Brendan Rodgers type for for uh, Abreu? Uh, I have no idea to be honest. He's thirty-one now, so what his bat is just as consistent as consistent can be. So. His bat would play very well at course too. Right, uh, you'd exactly. Probably yeah. see, you'd probably see an additional five home runs a year uh, with him in that ballpark. I, I would, I would think so. Yeah, you got to imagine that th- they would be interested. Uh, I hear the Yankees too might be a little bit interested in in an Abreu. Yeah, I mean they got the farm depth as well. So um, anybody's on the table for the right price, but in Abreu's. And since I think it'd be a little too expensive for any team's taste because the Sox like what they have with them so much. He's the leader of the clubhouse. Uh, he's kind of taking control of, you know, the Latin Americans, stuff like that. So, Is he locked in through 2020 or until 2020? Do you know? He's I, through, know. I think he's through 2020. Yeah, through. So that's a really tradable contract at the moment. Yeah, they're gonna add, Han's going to want a lot for that. Yeah, exactly. So he's going to want a lot, but you never know. A contending team might be desperate. The, um, the Rockies kind of are, you know, in a weird spot right now. Uh, that that would make a lot of sense. I mean, they're not playing. They're in first place right now, but they're like 500. Um, so, I mean, if you want to win a World Series, like their window's closing too. So, I mean, why not add that bet? You know, but I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what, they're a weird organization and I don't really get how they operate because they have a lot of really good players, but for whatever reason, they just haven't built around them. Yeah. yeah you would have good young players. Yeah. You would have expected that they would have done something around when Carlos Gonzalez was in his prime right. and they kind of right. just yeah. completely let that go. And it sucks. is mind boggling. Although I, again, <laughs> coming from coming from the White Sox, we we had quite the core too, and we couldn't really put anything together. But yeah, so I I feel their pain. Yep, that's that's <coughs> baseball though. You you can't you can't always expect to get everybody having a career year all at the same time. I mean, two thousand and five. There we go. I mean, that was right. the perfect yeah. storm. Perfect storm in every single way. All right, so um, to kind of jump back and forth to from White Sox to Redline Radio, um, this was a personal question that I actually had for myself because I'm very interested. Um, I want to know a little bit more about Ozzy, who's you guys refer to him as like the stat guy. You know, he's kind of the the extra microphone on the podcast. He's a he's a White Sox guy. He's a noted White Sox guy, and he's a great follow on Twitter. So I kind of want to know a little bit about like how you guys know Ozzy and a little bit more about him. I was, uh, I mean, I was saying it before we started recording. Uh, we get emails all the time looking for interns. It's like, hey, I love listening to the show. Can I be your intern? It's like, why, like, what can you do for us? And like, uh, I don't know. But Ozzy emailed me when the show first started. He's like, hey, I can do gifts. I can do uh, recording. Like, I can do editing. I know baseball. I'm a huge Shocks fan. Like, 
big stat guy. I can do media cards, like, for promo videos. I can do videos. And he sent me examples of each, and I'm like, yo, you're in. Like, you're hired. <laughs> for anybody who listens today, if you want to work with Redline Radio, email me with, like, a tangible skill you have that can contribute to the show because we're not going to just hire some random kid because you like the show. We appreciate you listening and everything, but I mean, what are you going to do? Like, what can you do to make the show better? So that's what, uh, that's what Ozzy did for us. And like within five minutes, I'm like, you're hired. Like you're on. That's a, that's a life skill. Ozzy's got a life skill right there. You gotta, that's, that's sales at its best. Show the product that you have. Don't just ask for a handout. Right, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's cool to find out. I don't think I, I don't know. I mean, I listen to Redline Lit Radio pretty regularly. I don't think I've listened to every single episode. Uh, my probably my personal favorite is either the Rick Hahn one or the Brian Anderson one was freaking hilarious. Yeah, the Anderson one was hilarious. He's <laughs> yeah. a wild card, that guy. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's nice to get a little bit of a background on him because I didn't know too much going or too much about him. And I'm actually a pretty, I listen to you guys pretty regularly. So he's, he's quiet kid. Doesn't say much, which, you know, which not bad thing or good thing, just how he is. And he knows a ton about the game of baseball, big Sox fan. He's good at what he does. So we couldn't be happier with him. That's good. So Back to the White Sox. Um, the bullpen has looked absolutely awful this year. There really hasn't been much to even grin about, but there has been one piece over the last couple of weeks that has kind of caught my eye. I want to get to. I want kind of like your take on Jace Fry. You know, he's a 2014 third round pick. He's only 24 years old. Um, he didn't have a great year in his very limited time last year. And it's obviously a very small sample size this year. But do you think that he can maybe, if he keeps this up, be a part of this team moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. He's got Tommy John twice, I want to say now. But he was a Pac-12 pitcher of the year, I want to say. He went to Oregon State. I think he was a third rounder. Uh, the stuff plays. I don't. I mean, he'll be probably a better version of like a Zach Duke, which is fine. Every team needs him. And he's young. He's throws 93, 95 from the left side. He'll probably eat left-handers alive. And I know they drafted him to kind of start, but fulfill that perfect, that lefty lefty matchup role perfectly. So he's the one bright spot in the bullpen right now for sure. Speaking of the bullpen, do you think that Rick Hahn is going to be able to pull some of that Rick Hahn magic out and move any of these guys at the deadline just with how terrible some of that bullpen's looked so far? They got really lucky that – not lucky because obviously they did tweak those guys, but Swarzak and Kane last year came out of nowhere. And I don't think that – that's not obviously going to happen because last year those two were pitching at, like, all-star levels. But, um, yeah, none of these guys are. So, I mean, they might get some flyers for, a, you know, the Rondon or um, – anybody else is just probably worthless to be honest so i this year no real time magic i'm saying yeah so we already talked about abreu and if somebody overpays obviously they'll make that move but do you anticipate this to be kind of a quiet deadline uh on the socks probably i mean they don't have much to trade other than abreu or um i mean that's pretty much it so Avi getting hurt kind of yeah that's that's kind of the crappy part about Avi getting hurt is you would have expected that to be the move right if Avi came out and had the kind of year that he did last year obviously he was the number one guy that would have been moved here at least in my opinion but I don't think he's movable now and that brings up another question that Sox fans should have is what do we do with Avi Garcia going into you know, the future here. Let him get healthy and hope you can trade him next year, I guess. I honestly don't know. I thought last year was a fluke, so. Um, I knew last year was a fluke. Honestly, yeah. his contract's only through next year, I think. So you, you you can even let him fizz out, to be honest. Like, he's not, I don't think, they're not going to extend him, obviously, and keep him around for the rebuild. Right, yeah, I don't think so either. He's getting up in age. He, has, he hasn't developed the power that he should have, and... 
all advanced metrics point to him, you know, being the same Abby this year, which before he got hurt was the case. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see doing much of them. So do you think he just walks, or do you think that they trade him for maybe like I mean, a lottery he, ticket piece? Yeah, something like that, just back-end lottery ticket pieces. Unfortunate. They probably – I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but they probably should have moved him deadline last year if they if yeah, could have. But, yeah, we'll see, I guess. All right. Well, that was – Pretty much all I had for Dave tonight. I don't know if you have anything else you want to ask Tony. We've kind of we've had Dave on for like almost the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, we we fun. absolutely have. Dave, uh, is there anything else that you want to let White Sox fans know before you uh, before you take off here? Uh, this is I, I'm going to leave it up to you. Anything you want to let anything you want to let our listeners know about the 2018 White Sox and the White Sox going forward? Just be patient. Trust, trust the rebuild. Uh, better days are obviously ahead, but I mean, support it and get used to it. It's good, but it's going to be a fun ride starting next year. I was hoping it would be a little earlier. It would start like midway through this year, but I mean, Eloy and Kopech will be up soon, and before you know it, it'll be off to the races. And Central is going to go through the go through the South Side in the next, you know, seven, eight, nine years. Hopefully, that's what we're all, all right. hoping for. Thank you again for coming on, Dave. Hopefully we could have you on again another time. Um, yep. What a bless. Yeah, thank Let you very much, problem. Dave. No problem. All right. And that was Dave Williams from Barstool Sports, other known as White Sox Dave. That was uh, that was great, finally getting him on. Um, I don't know if any of you guys know. We kind of basically expressed in that episode, but we are huge Redline Radio fans ourselves. Um I don't know. I'm kind of speaking for myself here. I don't know about Tony, but, you know, Dave and Carl were kind of two of the main guys that, you know, made me realize that I could get into the whole podcasting thing. And, you know, so thanks to them for that. And, you know, I can't thank him enough for coming on. That was, it was like the circle of podcasting right there. It just came full circle. Yeah, it was it was good to talk to White Sox Dave for, wow, we, we just went close to an hour there with him kind of filled up almost literally the whole yeah, episode. almost the entire episode so yeah. uh yeah extremely nice guy awesome twitter follower if you're not following him on twitter which i would assume that all listeners to our show are and should be uh if you're not follow him at barstool white Sox dave and if you're not listening to redline radio uh listen to redline radio uh before or after you listen to shy Sox weekly every week and uh, like he said, uh, buy tickets to Barstool at the Park. Uh, you can find that on Dave's Twitter as well. Uh, John, is there anything else you want to close this episode out with? Uh, we had a we had quite the conversation there with with Dave, and uh, I'm I'm about ready to call this a night. Yeah, um, I am pretty pretty much set with that. That was a good way to you know kind of come back after having a week off and actually talk White Sox baseball. Uh, for well, not not that the ex- guys, yeah, not that the guys from the 108 didn't talk White Sox baseball. I'm pretty sure. No, that, uh, not every at all. single one of our listeners got great White Sox <laughs> content out of that. Uh, it was nice to finally kind of break it down and you know ask him all the questions that we've been wanting to ask him. So. I'm going to have to say, John, I'm really proud of you. Uh, Beef Loaf bet the under for bathroom breaks, and I want to let the listeners know that John did not pause once to go to the bathroom. I want to cut you off right there to kind of throw myself under the bus right there. I muted my mic two different times during the recording and went to the bathroom. So I I still hit the under, (laughs) but but I sneakily took bathroom breaks this time. So – uh, beef loaf he put the max bet on the under i don't know what you know how much that was because I, I didn't i didn't come in your that. way beef loaf there's a box of twinkies coming beef loaf's way uh that's about all we have for you guys let's hope that the Sox continue to you know play some mediocre baseball and hopefully we're back next week with maybe more stuff to talk about uh hopefully not another guy busted for steroids obviously uh, it'll be interesting to see who, obviously, the Sox will replace Wellington Castillo with. We'll have more from you on that next time we talk. John, I think we're ready to call it. 
Let's go, Sox. Yeah. Uh, until then, let's hope Adam Angle stops hitting uh, above the Mendoza line and starts playing bad again so he can get out of our roster. Uh, go, Sox. <laughs> <laughs>